Welcome to another video Bible class brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. This video is our class content for April the 25th, and this brings us to the end of 1 John, putting us in position to begin 2 John on the 28th. Listen now carefully, please. 1 John chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, the final paragraph. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Look back now with me at verse 18. Very important to observe here the tense as rendered in the English Standard Version. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. I mentioned in our last class, in this section of 1 John, there is emphasis on the assurance or confidence enjoyed by those who walk in the light. This confidence theme begins back in chapter 4 with John's statement about the boldness we can have in the day of judgment. Then in chapter 5, as the text reads in the New King James, eight times John says to Christians, we know. That's assurance. And we enjoy this every day that we walk in the light. And that is effective because Jesus died for us so that we can be forgiven of sin and so that we can walk in the light. There are specific things we can know. No element of risk. When you are believing and doing the will of God, he keeps his promises. Faith, as John defines it, is not guesswork. We know. That's no element of risk. Well, here in verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not keep on sinning. We already know because of what John taught in chapter 1 and 2, it's possible for a child of God to be guilty of occasional sin. And it is possible for a child of God to grow weak and move away from God all the way back into a life of sin. That's possible, but we hold to the principle that the child of God has no purpose to sin and certainly no purpose to keep on sinning. We should emerge from baptism with this intention to not participate in sin as Paul argued in Romans 6, to arise from the waters of baptism, determined to walk in newness of life, 
not become involved in sin ever again. This goes to purpose. The child of God has no purpose to sin. In the New International Version, it is rendered in this way. Anyone born of God does not continue in sin. You come out of sin when you first become a child of God. You arise and walk in newness of life. A person converted to the Lord from sin does not want to sin. Anyone born of God does not continue in sin. This is a principle we hold to, and this is the purpose we pursue on a daily basis, an hourly basis, as a member of the family of God. It is possible to sin, but it is our purpose to not sin. Most of us are familiar with occasional sin. We repent of that. God grants forgiveness. We come back to our purpose to not sin. We believe anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The next phrase, as it appears in the New King James, he who has been born of God keeps himself. Now, as this appears in the New King James, it sounds very much like individual purpose and discipline that we've just been talking about. The self-restraint that is associated with being in the family of God. The one born of God, the child of God, restrains himself from the practice of sin. Keeps himself is an expression having reference to self-restraint. <clears throat> there are three things I want to say about this restraint. Keeping himself. One, it's a statement of personal responsibility. This is something you must do yourself. No one can do it for you nor can you do this for someone else. Two, this is something that must be done daily, not occasionally. Three, it is only possible to effectively restrain yourself from sin as you live in Christ. In fact, there are some who argue for a slightly different translation of verse 18. As reflected in the New English Bible, we know that no child of God is a sinner, it is the Son of God who keeps him safe. Now, either reading with all contextual information considered, keeping ourselves from sin always involves our cooperation with and the power of Christ, his teaching, his example, his sacrifice, his intercession. The object, the purpose, of all of this is to keep oneself from the harm of the evil one. In the NIV, we know that anyone born of God does not commit sin. The one who is born of God keeps him safe. The evil one cannot harm him. The ESV and the NIV reading gives us the impression this is about Christ's power to keep us from sin. Us being those who walk in the light. Verse 19, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. You need to know where you are, what side you're on in the war between right and wrong. In the spiritual warfare that is our reality here on earth, there's God's side and the devil's side, right and wrong. 
If you are a child of God, as John defines that relationship, you have this confidence. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know where we belong, we know where evil is, and we keep that distinction in our minds and in our behavior. If I really belong to the family of God, not just in claim, but in actual character, <coughs> I'm located on the right side of the battle between good and evil. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. One version says the world lies under the grip of the evil one. To exist, to be located on the devil's side of the battle line, is to be on the wrong side that leads to eternal destruction. It can be said this passing world order and its rulers, they're on their way out. This earthly existence is transitory, dominated by Satan. The Bible teaches there is a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's where we're headed. As children of God who walk in the light, we are citizens of heaven, subjects of God, not the devil. We know, 18 and 19 now, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God is come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Again, in verse 20, the language of John removes any element of doubt or guesswork when he says what we talked about earlier, we know, in this case, we know that the Son of God has come. There were some John warned about earlier who did not believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and denied his deity. John called them anti-Christ. They rejected the testimony of the apostles, all the evidence and witnesses concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ. John says to children of God, we know. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Deity became flesh and dwelt among us. He died for us, but also part of his mission was to give us understanding. Through Christ, we understand God. We understand the horror of sin. We understand what our response to God should be. We understand the boldness we can have approaching the day of judgment. Look at this phrase, that we may know him who is true. <clears throat> Knowing Christ, not just in terms of academic knowledge, Knowing Christ in all his truth, in his abundant demonstration of deity. And when we know him in this sense, we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is one of those statements about fellowship with deity, enjoyed by those who walk in the light. God dwelling in us and we dwell in him through Christ. And then the statement, 
This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is deity. It is appropriate to call him the true God. Christ is the most important antecedent of the pronoun. He is deity and eternal life. Does this refer to Jesus? Well, let me take you back to the very beginning of this epistle in 1 John 1, 1 and 2. Remember, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you <coughs> the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So in 1 John 1, and now in 1 John 5, these direct assertions of the deity of Christ and his eternal existence with the Father, therefore his power to impart to his followers eternal life. Finally, verse 21. Little children, keep yourself from idols. I want to tell you there is an unfortunate fixation that we commonly have when we see the word idols. Our first mental image is a golden calf, an image fashioned by man out of wood, metal, or stone, and men build it and bow down to it. If there's any wood left over, they take that to cook their food. We think of ancient pagan idolatry, and it strikes us as foolishness. And there is no question, those images involved sinful idolatry, the worship of something other than deity. My concern is, that's all we think about. And in those initial images, we have relegated idolatry way off to an ancient time. Idolatry was a present reality in John's life and a present reality today. Anytime we worship anything other than deity, there is the sin of idolatry. It may be money, it may be a human religious creed, it may be a person, an institution, an idea, a lifestyle, a career, a dream, or some wrong attitude or behavior. Anytime we give to anything other than God, <clears throat> the allegiance and reverence he is due, that constitutes idolatry. John's final admonition at the end of this first epistle is for Christians to keep themselves from idolatry. So this is something I must do, something you must do. How do we keep ourselves from idols? By taking seriously and applying to our lives everything John has said in 1 John about how to be a child of God. If you want to keep yourself from idolatry, go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Start reading, and everything you learn through the end of this epistle, obey those teachings, and that will keep you from idolatry. So here we are at the end of this study of 1 John. I'd like to spend the next few minutes in review 
of our study of 1 John. I'm going to go back now and hit some highlights. I think the theme, I really think the theme in 1 John <coughs> is walking in the light. And you come to that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, and you may have a tendency to stop there and say, well, what does that mean? And just focus on that verse and look at those words and say, walking in the light, what is that about? Just keep reading. John will tell you what it means. It means confessing our sins, keeping his commandments, walking as Christ walked means loving your brother, overcoming the evil one. It means not loving the world. It means purifying yourself. It means letting no one deceive you. It means testing the spirits and keeping yourself from idols. I also want to say something that we've learned about the other side of walking in the light. You cannot be close to God and close to sin at the same time. There is the reality of walking in darkness, and when you walk in darkness, you cannot see others. You cannot see obstacles. You cannot see threats. You cannot see yourself as you really are, and you cannot see God. And then you cannot see God and Christ in heaven. Walking in the light. Walking in the darkness, John helps us to know the difference. I should also like to add, especially in 1 John 1, 5 through 10, you discover a connection immediately between who God is and how we should live. I've mentioned this so many times. Back in John 4, 24, God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and in truth. In 1 John 4, God is love and we love. In 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, God is holy and we are to be holy. There is that connection between who God is and how we should live. And then in our review, I wanted to mention something that I think stands out in 1 John, and it will come up again in 2 John and 3 John. Behavior is the real test of fellowship, not just what we say. We may say we have no sin. We may say we have fellowship with God. But if we're walking in darkness and guilty of sin and not confessing our sin, then those things are not true. They're just claims. Behavior is the real test of fellowship not just what we say. So that's our study of the first epistle of John. We hope this study has been beneficial. Keep checking back on this YouTube channel. Next time, we're going to move right into 2 John. We hope you'll be with us April the 28th. We'll move into 2 John. Thank you.